What is up, guys? Welcome to the Major League University Developmental Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Byler, and today an extremely special guest, Alan Jager, founder, co or full owner of Jager Sports. And this dude does some amazing things. He came out and helped our 2015 Nevada baseball team, gave us a few tools that we can use that we're going to get into later today that really changed my life personally, as well as our team's whole outcome of that year. And eventually we had a great run, won over 40 games. And I really do attest a lot of that to that time when he came in and spoke with our team and, and equipped us with these tools. So he does a lot of things from the pitching arm care, taking care of those athletes to the mental side of the game, which is what we are huge on with major league university and really trying to continue to be advocates for this side of the game so alan with jager sports welcome back man it's great to have you on the show <laughs> thanks man i really appreciate having me on austin i'm excited i know we've talked off off the uh, the wire so to speak about the mental game i know how passionate you are uh, i'm pumped and only because i'm on my way to my partner's uh, house for dinner I'm, I'm officially a co-owner now but you know what i'm i'm a founder so we can go with that but uh uh, honestly, man, I'm I'm excited because I know you're passionate about this, and and as you know, this this field is uh, it's just starving for more people to get in because it's really I think in a, in a great place and going in the right direction. Oh, it's been spearheaded by guys like you. I know we've talked a little bit about Carlene Sugarman. Um, a lot of people on the West Coast that at least have helped us some of our programs and then obviously into professional baseball now and the professional sports realm, it's huge. Almost every team's got it. If you don't, you're out of the loop. And I think, like you said, it's really the key separator and difference maker in an athlete's career and let alone life. And I think just being able to hone in on some of these skills that we'll talk about today are really going to help a lot of athletes, coaches, and parents out there just really figure out who they are and help them peak perform on the field. So, Alan, let's get into it, man. Tell us your story. How did you end up forming Jager Sports and kind of getting into that mental side of the game? Yeah, I think the bottom line is, you know, I played uh, college baseball at Cal State Northridge out here in L.A. I'm born and raised in L.A. And, uh, uh, you know, I didn't really ever have anything I would call a, a mental issue in sports, at least not that I knew of. And I went through a really difficult time my junior year in college, and so much so I had to leave the team for a while. And uh, it just got me interested, like, in what was going wrong and what was happening. I mean, I don't even know if the term sports psychology existed back then. I'm sure it did, but I, it must have because I saw a sports psychologist. And, <laughs> um, and I just got really fascinated with the mental side of the game. I switched my major over to psychology. Uh, I had an upper division course where they, they literally took us from philosophy from east to west, sorry, actually west to east. We started with like Socrates and we made our way all the way to the east. And I got really fascinated with Zen in college just because of a story our professor said. And it's a story from a book called Zen Flesh, Zen Bones, as a side note uh, by, I think Eugene Harrigal is his name. And that's when things really shifted for me because when I started studying Zen, Zen to me epitomized what is an ideal state to be in, not only as an athlete, but as a person. Because in Zen, um, the idea is that you're really trusting your instincts. You're, 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 into what's, you're trying to really live by what's called no thought, or you're at least trying to express yourself that's both as a person and as an athlete and what's called no, no thought or even no mind and the idea of course is that when you're not thinking you're you're purely reacting or purely being instinctive and so i just saw this kind of art form if you will uh as a way of life and 
And it really helped me. I mean, my sports psychologist, granted, really helped me too. He was a hypnotherapist too. And that helped me a ton listening to like a tape. But I, I really think the core of everything I teach and I've taught for 29 years, um, it really comes down to Zen and uh, it really comes down to meditation. And yeah, things that are offshoots of that are common ideas in sports psychology, like the process and you know, staying in the moment, controlling what you can control. Uh, Ken Ravisa was a guy that um, I have so much respect for, and I met right at the beginning. And you know, he was like a godfather to me in a way. And um, and so I just think that's sort of a maybe a an overview of really how I got into it and why I got into it. And I think the last thing I'd say is this: um, I didn't know what how it was all going to work. I only knew that it was really, really helpful in my life. It completely transformed my life for the for the better. And so what I wanted to do is I was so inspired by how much it helped me that I wanted to share this and I wanted to help people. I mean, I, I guess I just I'm a teacher by trade and it's in my DNA um, because I had a lot of passion and I was very inspired to teach this. And so I immediately started with some ex-teammates that were uh, in the minor leagues and professional baseball. And I just wanted to see how it worked with them. And I clearly the, the feedback from them and the effect uh, for me seemed pretty pro dramatic and profound. And so I guess like any teacher, like anything you do in life, uh, the feedback really, really helps, of course. And so that's what really started to turbo boost, if you will, my, my inspiration and my passion to share because I knew it wasn't just me. I started seeing this with people I was close to and trusted and really worked a lot with, um, almost in an experimental way. And one of them, ironically, is Jim Batcher, who I just mentioned is the, the, the co-owner of Jager Sports. And um, so anyway, that was, a, that was sort of a long answer, but at least that, that's the background of really why I got into it and, and I guess what it's meant to me. Yeah, I think it's good just for the audience to have a good overview and picture of why people get brought onto this side of the game. You had a personal experience. You went through some tough times mentally, couldn't figure it out, needed to figure it out. You knew that you had to figure that out. And for me, same type of deal, went through it, um, needed to figure it out. And now that's why I'm an advocate as well uh, in this side of the game. But you talk about no thinking and you hear it all the time from coaches from even athletes or parents even like yelling to their kid come on honey don't think just do it just do it and that's great we can say it as much as we want to do or as much as we want to say it but how do we actually go about not thinking like how do we develop a practice to help our bodies help our minds kind of get into that no thought process where we just react well it's a great point it's a great question because you know, one of my favorite lines, I always quote her as uh, Dr. Shana Shapiro, ironically up near your area. She's a professor at Santa Clara, but she's really heavy into the mindfulness movement. And, um, you know, I, I've done retreats with her and she talks a lot about you become what you practice. So one of the things about the mental game for me, and you're going to hear this over and over in our conversation, I love talking about the process. I love talking about what's called game management and strategy and, and all that stuff. But uh, the foundation for me, and I, I, I like to say where the rubber hits the road, is, is the mental practice, is the meditation, is the relaxation, is the breathing exercises, is visualization. Because to me at the core, 
if you really want to change the way you think or learn to not think so much or learn to be more relaxed, um, to me, you have to have a, I don't want to say you have to have a practice because obviously people can not meditate and, and do fine in life and thrive in life. But I guess what I'm saying is, is that it's sort of like saying, well, do you want to be better at going in the hole with your back end as a shortstop? You want to be better at push bunting or drag bunting, which is a comical topic, com comment to say now with launch angle. But Yeah, um, seriously. But I mean, if you want to hone in on a skill, any skill, we all know you got you to practice it. So not thinking per se, as funny as that sounds, is a skill you can work on. But how do you work on that if you don't put time aside every day to practice that skill and, and to me, meditation not only is is sort of the art of learning to be quieter and quieter and quieter and distance yourself more from your thoughts, um, especially when you don't want to be engaging with your thoughts. But it's also a practice of developing the skill. You become what you practice. It, the, the skills of, you know, relaxation, calmness, presence, um, discipline. You can say come with that. Also, a big word that a lot of people ask. You know, where does confidence come from? Well. You spend time meditating every day and getting quieter and, and getting to know yourself better, getting more intimate with yourself, getting more connected with yourself. That's called trust. And to me, I, I tweet this out, trust is the source of confidence. And that might be kind of nebulous for people to really understand. What do you mean trust is the source of confidence? But if, if you want to trace to me the source of what, what, does, what people say you get confidence from success. You know, you get confidence from, um, you know, success creates confidence. You know, it's like the chicken and the egg, too. Well, which comes first? And what I would say is that, well, there's this underlying sense of trust that's innate. It's inside everybody. You don't have to have, quote, unquote, success to get it, per se. It's funny. I've never said this before, but I, I kind of like this angle. It's, it's always there. But... How are you going to find out about it if you don't spend time being with yourself, being quiet with yourself? Again, tuning into yourself. And I don't mean tuning into your thoughts about who you have to call later today or you have to, you know, put a check in the mail to pay that bill or what school am I going to go to? That, that, those are all real life things. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about getting quiet to the point where you're just with your 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 being, you're with your intuition, you're with your instinct, you're with what's called non-thought. <laughs> and there's yeah. a whole world in that non-thought world available to you, and, part, and a big part of that is trust. So not sure where that question started, but that's sort of where it ended. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I'm so happy you touched on that because something that I truly believe is, one, you've got to practice what you preach, if you're going to do it, you've got to practice any of these tools if you want to get better. So if you're going and doing, working on hitting opposite field, you've got to go practice hitting. Or if you're working on your backside, you've got to practice it. And I think going through the college ranks and professional ranks, we practiced every day. We were out there every day working on the physical side and we're in the weight room all the time. You're always working on your body, but not very many people were working on their minds. And the people that I saw who worked on their minds were somehow they kept climbing up the ladder they kept going a little higher a little higher and there was like just they had a different persona about them and i think it's crazy that you you said this because it's a, such a great statement about how trust builds confidence and it may be tough to comprehend sometimes but the more you practice something the more you build 
and can connect with your own self, the more confidence you're going to have in any situation. A great tip and tool that I like to use is just before, even before we had this conversation is take a deep breath, brings you right back to the mind, brings you right back to your body, kind of puts you in tune. So you're more connected with yourself. And a lot of athletes, I think, I don't know if they neglect that side because they aren't educated on it or maybe because they just don't care about it. Maybe it's a little bit of both, but I think educating these athletes on this side to be able to use this tool, man, in any walk of your life is so big. So how do you get these athletes to buy in? When you go to a camp, when you go to a a collegiate program or when you're working with an athlete one-on-one, it's great to give them this tool. I think you can give them a lot, but how do you get them to actually receive it and start to practice this and continue to use this? I try to be blunt in a nice way. And what I mean by that is when you've been doing something for 29 years um, and you've seen, you know, the consistent feedback and the consistent, um, I guess, elevation of people in their path, whether it's life or sports. um, I mean, to the point where it, it just really hits you hard. You come in from a different angle. You don't come in like I'm trying to sell you something. Um, I've learned that, look, if they're not interested, you know, it's the old, you can lead the horse to water syndrome. But I come in pretty, it's funny because I'm a very low key, I think pretty low maintenance person, but there's a part of me that kicks in that's very disciplined and very clear and very succinct and reasonable but yet like hey here it is like here are what i consider to be the facts and the data based on 29 years um how great you know the question i open up with athletes is you know how great do you truly want to be like not do you want to get to the big leagues or not that's that takes care of itself how great do you want to be if we agree the game is at least 90 percent mental or more in college and probably 99 percent mental at the big league level I just try to use numbers and facts and say, look, I'm giving you information right now based on 29 years of experience where I've seen dramatic impacts in people's lives and people's careers. And so, and I'm sure this is the same feedback other people in this field uh, have experienced. And so what we're trying to do is just say, look, I'm giving you this information. Yes, you may have to trust me a bit, but there's a reason I'm here today is the bottom line. And I kind of I kind of put it in their lap in a way to say, you don't have to do this. But I'm just telling you, based on 29 years of experience, that this has a chance to not only change your career today, it has a chance to change your life today for the better. And what do you have to lose? Um, why not have an open mind? You'll agree with me, I'm assuming, that the game is 90% mental more. Most guys in college, gals, guys, it, it, the high school, college level, especially college and above now, will agree. You don't have to twist their arm like, yeah, the game is 90% mental. Well, the follow-up question is, is then, okay, well, how much physical practice are you putting in each week and how much mental practice are you putting in each week? And the math is there. You, if you just do the math, game is 90% mental or more, but I'm spending 100% of my time on the physical practice, not even 1%. Now, there is an argument that I've heard in the past, and I, and I basically agree with, which is, you get mental practice and physical reps. I get that. But I think where I'm going, as you know, is that how much time have you put aside that you're designating a station like fly balls and ground balls and bunting and BP and bullpens and throwing and base running 
and PFP, if I didn't say that. How much time are you putting aside for the station of breathing, meditation, relaxation, learning to clear your mind, or learning to be present, or learning how to deal with thoughts that are distracting you and not engaging them? So that's sort of the bottom line. Are you putting 10 to 20 minutes aside every day to do that? Because if you're not, you're cheating yourself. And again, some people may never meditate and playing the big leagues for 20 years. But I'm also a numbers guy, I'm a percentage guy. And I'm like, do you wanna play the percentages to your advantage and say, okay, that might be me, but man, uh, how much better would my career be if I was just 25% more relaxed, 25% more clear-minded, 25% more disciplined, 25% less distracted. And those numbers could end up being 50, 75, 100. And, and usually when you go there with kids, they're like, I, I, I just start out with one thing. I just say something as simple as this. Are you a better player today if you're going to be 25% more relaxed at the plate or on the mound? Wherever, uh, as a hockey goalie, anywhere, on a five-foot putt. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met an athlete yet. Sorry, I don't think I've ever met an athlete yet that has said, no, I won't be better. Uh, I, I'm sure... Actually, there was one guy, and I won't say who he is because it's funny about his career. And he's had a great <laughs> career, but but he was in our yoga program. He was in our, our our program, and during the yoga, he didn't like it because he got too relaxed, and he was more of an amped up guy, and that worked for him, and and, and so on and so forth. Not that not that the yoga wasn't good for him, but um, so again, there's there's exceptions to rules, but you know, I'd say 99% of people I've spoken with would say, man, I'd be a better attorney in court. I'd be a better doctor uh, in surgery, you know, let alone a, a, you know, a, a hitter at the plate or a pitcher on the mound um, if I was 25% relaxed. And the follow-up question again is, okay, what if I gave you one simple exercise for five minutes that if you did every day would make you 25% more relaxed? Would you want to do that? Yes. That's the buy-in. Yeah, that's an amazing point right there because I think when you look from the outside in, if you don't have any clue of what meditation is or visualization or the power of it, you're probably looking at it like, gosh, I don't know how I'm ever going to learn this practice. How am I ever going to do this? Coach wants me to hit and field and run and this and that and go to school, but how am I going to learn this? But the reality of things is, is if you just set five minutes of your day in the morning, whenever you can, hopefully, but ideally in the morning to just lay there and breathe and focus on your breath and relax and let everything go and pay attention to your thoughts you're going to be so much more in tune with your body your skill and you're going to understand how you perform better and it's going to just completely translate to the game so i think something that we did at least in nevada was coach johnson would always every single day no matter if it was a, a walkthrough practice you go through in your shorts or it's a game day we visualized and we meditated for 10 minutes every single we did not miss this and i'll tell you what it was we had over eight dudes hitting over 300 we had some of the best pitchers in the league and now you've got we've probably got 10 to 12 guys from that team playing professional baseball or at least had an opportunity to and the stats are right there seeing this like seeing the improvement in guys from year after year just with this simple tool. So what are some of the biggest improvements that you've seen from some of the athletes that you work with or teams that you work with through meditation? Man, a lot of what I just kind of went over, and really quick, I want to add one point to what you said too. It's on the kids ultimately to create their own time, and you're correct. But one of the reasons that I'm, 
I pushed into this field, I think so hard is for the coaches to make this part of their practice plan. As you know, I have an article about mental practice plan, which is a whole take on the idea of having a practice plan, but not having any meditation or mental practice in the practice plan, which is the irony. So part of this is I hope, you know, coaches hear this and realize I've got to do my homework to make sure that I, I know how to take kids through a 10 minute breathing exercise every day of practice like Jay did. Um, but the benefits honestly are pretty straightforward. I mean, it's, they're, they're countless. Um, generally speaking, I just think guys get way more, way more bought into the present moment. They really stop worrying about the drama, the future and the past. Um, they start using the breath as a, like you said, it's a huge ally. They start, it starts becoming one of their best friends. You know, it's with them all the time. Um, clarity, quietness, um, I think lack of distraction, uh, lack of stress, lack of tension, lack of anxiety. I, ju I just think, I guess it comes down to just being in a calmer, clearer, more relaxed, more, more focused state. And, um, and also I think the big word, and, and you know about this word, especially you hear this in pro ball where they're playing every day is, is continuity, uh, consistency. And I just think that the practice also is something that um, it just gives players routine and consistency. Like, you, look, what you just said, you know, my, my business partner, I keep bringing up Jim, the best year of his career, he'll tell you, he ended up making it to the big leagues, but he'll tell you the best year of his career, he was in West L.A. Junior College. And he played for a, a legendary guy named Artie Harris, who ended up coaching with the Dodgers for a while. And Artie was just awesome on a whole, whole different level. Um, but, um, but Jim would come home every day from practice. He didn't even know what he was doing. He put on, I'm trying to think of what, what album it was. Anyway, he put on, I'll have to ask him tonight. I, I know what it was, but he put on an album, the same album. Like it might've been Boston, you know, his first album or uh, the Eagles or something like that. But he put it on every day put his headphones on, laid in his bed, and basically ended up in a 60-minute meditation. And he may or may not have been doing, I think he might have been doing some visualization, maybe without even trying. But he went into a very deep state. And he did it every single day. And he went off that year. And he actually ended up getting a, a um, he had a chance to play UCLA, he ended up playing at Cal State North, which is, which is where I met him. But uh, you know, 20th round, senior signed, five foot nine outfielder, made it to the big leagues. And um, that, that was a pivotal year in his career. Um, so I think going back to the word continuity and consistency, I think that's just another thing. When you wake up, as you said, first thing in the morning, and your mindset is, is I want to get clear and calm and quiet and in tune with my breathing and in tune with my body and kind of out of my thoughts and out of the stuff out there in the world. And you do that every day, you're setting obviously a precedence for a routine. It comes back to that line, you become what you practice. So the more you do that every day, the more, and the longer your sessions get theoretically, and the more those sessions sort of blend into your day, that's the idea. In, in meditation, there's a great concept that's called meditation and action, where you bring your meditation with you wherever you go. And that's again, where the breath is such a major piece because your breath is with you all day long. 
all night long. So I think the benefits are endless, but I think those are some of the key ones. And I think one of the biggest ones is sort of that, again, that, that strong sense of connection with the place that you're working on in your meditation, that becoming you. Yeah, no, it's amazing, man. I'm so happy that you mentioned that last part there about just kind of the breath and being able to take this with you anywhere you go, whether it's on a plane flight or your long bus trip or you're nervous before a game and the national anthem's going off and you're in the College World Series like Vandy in Michigan. And it's just a great tool that anybody can use to really take their game and their life to the next level. Now, I'm pumped that you hit on that because I wanted to ask you, how can you take this breath? Okay, we talk about practicing it and implementing it before practice or when you first wake up or from the coach. How can you take this into the game now? Say at an at-bat in a stressful situation or you're on deck and you're worried about the left-handed pitcher and I'm a left-handed hitter and all these things that are going on. And, and how do you get back and revert back to your breath and implement this into your routine during a game? I'm going to come back to a funny analogy to answering that question. People DM me on Twitter like about my arm sore, this and that's going on. And so I always, I like reverse engineering stuff, right? I'll go back and I'll ask them some questions to find out why their arm was sore. Well, usually their arm, the arm is sore because there was not enough conditioning in place to begin with. doesn't mean they weren't doing a pretty good job, but they missed a few days or they took a week off or they came back too soon. The bottom line is they weren't in what I would call beast mode. Um, which means they have a great arm care program, great long toss program. They, re they do great post-throwing recovery. They're just in great condition to begin with. If you are in great shape, when you go into games, you don't ever really tend, not, I don't say you don't tend to deal with soreness. It might be a good sore, but the idea is this. It's a similar metaphor. If you're meditating every day and you're building like this, presence within you that's expanding like the sun's getting brighter and brighter and hotter and hotter and all of a sudden you're becoming more of this breathing calm relaxed present in the moment don't care about the future and past person then that's like your arm being in great shape right so then when the game comes along someone else may say well the base is a lot of half stress you may not really notice that now let's say because we are human right you may fall into, you may be in a good meditation practice, but you still may notice a situation that causes anxiety or stress because you're human. The difference is, is this. You can tend to pull back and, and uh, oh, I just had the perfect word, calibrate. You can pull yeah. back and calibrate yourself relatively quickly to that state that you've been working on every day that you've, be, that you've become, let's say, or become a lot better at. And so I would answer it that way, that yes, if you have stress or there's a big situation or a college world series, well, that's because your mind created all that, right? When you're in your meditation, you're, you're, the idea is you're not in your mind about any of this stuff. You're just in a place of breathing, calmness, quietness, instinct, presence, no thought, you're just here. Right? You're just enjoying the moment or you're flowing with the moment, hence the flow. Um, but now, I, yes, and I'm, I'm, being, uh, I'm getting pretty deep. And I understand that the average human being is probably going to go out in game situations and the mind's going to start thinking about bases are loaded or they're down a run in the ninth inning or if we win, we go to regionals or if I win or if I have a good year, I get drafted. If I have a good season or if I have a good month, I, go, I get 
pull up to the big leagues. I get it. That's just day-to-day stuff. It's always going on. My point is this, the deeper your meditation practice is, the better chances you have when you go into game situations. You don't, you may not notice as much stress or any stress. And if, and if there is stuff there, you have a much better chance of, again, coming back to your turtle has a shell on his home, takes his home with him wherever he goes or she goes. You have a better chance, and that's the word that, where I was using the word calibrate. You have a better chance to come back into your shell, back into your bubble, the same bubble you work on every single day that's becoming you or become you. And so I think that's the best way to answer it. But if I really would answer you the initial question without saying all of that, I would basically say the way to do with it is um, come back to your breathing, come back to the present moment, control what you can, which is if a hitter, I need to see the ball well and hit it hard, pitcher, I need to have a good focal point and attack it and put a thousand percent of your focus on that no matter what. I, I call it Bruce Lee, 10th degree black belt. That is the way if, and, and one thing I'd say about it is this, if stuff comes up, try not to, um, you know, fight it too much, you know, try to like be like a surfer on the wave, go with it. Just like, okay, it's there, but where do I need to redirect my attention to right now to the moment? What do I need in this? What do I need to do in this moment to execute my plan right now? And so that's the, that, the way to simplify everything going on. Because the stress and the anxiety is the mind going on a hamster wheel with thoughts or worrying about the situation or projecting onto the situation, of course. And so I guess the, two, the, the, the really deep, heavy answer was first. The other more quick bottom line answer is get back to the moment, get back to your breath. Your breath is not your thought. Your breath is an instinct. The breath is always happening now. And then channel your mind into what I what I talk about as the process. What can I control right now that's going to lead to the best next moment? And for a hitter and a pitcher, if it was a six-foot putt and I was a golfer, I'd say the next best moment, take a breath, get the lion on your putt, remind yourself to finish through your, you know, squarely through the ball, if you will. Done. That would be the shortest, quickest advice I could give somebody. Yeah, no, that's just action packed, man. That whole like every piece of advice there, like when you start to decipher that and kind of depict it a little bit, I think like the overall theme that I'm getting is your breath and the the practice of meditation and visualization unlocks your subconscious brain, and I think with that, it really turns everything on it starts to kind of activate that reticular activating system. And now when we get in those situations that are stressful and we take and revert back to that breath, we get back in our moment, the present moment. We're there. We're, uh, I think Brian Kane says we are where our feet are and, and we're able to focus on that moment at hand. And it's not as easy as it sounds by any means for anybody to do this. But when you start to focus on that breath, when you really utilize this tool that you can every single day, you start to notice the benefits. You start to notice you're a little more calm in these situations. You handle conversations better. You're even, you're more locked in. You're seeing the ball better because what happens when we start to fail? Okay. First thing for at least for me and speaking on some of my teammates was our mind starts to spin. Just like you said, you start to tell yourself all of these false negative thoughts. You start to tell yourself and you start wearing these masks that are not who you really are. 
and all these negativity and, and these negative thoughts start coming out of you and it really impacts your performance right away and it impacts how you like talk to other people around you your family and all of that teammates and i think just being able to revert back to your breath in a game situation being aware of that that it's a tool that you can use that is free there's no cost to this like we all have it we're all able to use this it's just being aware of when you get in these situations let me come back to that. Let me slow the game down. Like you said, focal point. Let me look at that uh, logo on the bat. Maybe it's the old hickory sign. Or maybe look at my Wilson logo on my glove. And be like, all right, it's good. It's a kid's game. Thank you guys for tuning in to the MLU Developmental Podcast. Just want to give a quick TV timeout to a couple of our sponsors. First and foremost, the Positive Vibe Movement. These guys are truly amazing. It's raising awareness for mental health all across the world in all aspects of life whatever your walk is whatever you are experiencing you are not alone go check these guys out they have amazing gear and just an amazing message for the world at the positivevibemovement.com you can use code byler to receive a discount on your next order and then let's check out harmonybats.com these guys are truly incredible individuals with an amazing purpose in this world to bring and inspire youth athletes all across the world they've got some great apparel uh, some great gloves, bats, all the above. Go check them out at HarmonyBats.com. Use code MLU to receive a discount on your next order. So, Alan, I kind of want to shift gears here. I know we've talked a lot about the mental side of the game, how important it is, how important your breath is, and really slowing down the game, that meditation practice, visualization, something that we both love to preach and talk about and teach to athletes really at all levels. I think it's so important for the game, but I know you're huge on the arm care, especially for pitchers, but for all athletes as well and I think uh, just getting into the arm care aspect is it important for these athletes to develop a good arm care routine and how important is that arm care routine for the development of those athletes well I'm going to go back to something we talked about earlier which is you become what you practice right so everything sort of in my world comes back to practice and reps I mean it's no secret I think the secrets and and maybe the discipline to do it and, and to do it um maybe wisely in the areas you need to do it. Um, for instance, like the mental game, people may practice really hard and they're smart about practicing hard or they're willing to do the work, but if you're not doing the work in the right area, like breathing, meditation, visualization, I think that's where they're, they're missing the boat. And the same thing with arm care. It's like coaches may and kids may, you know, um, let's say throw a decent amount or they may do some stretching, but it's sort of like... <laughs> I'm thinking of, I don't know her of a, of a line from a buddy, Tim Dixon, and it's just a funny line, but it, it kind of makes a lot of sense. He's like, are, are you an amateur or are you a professional? Like, and he even means when you're standing in line at the grocery store talking to the clerk. I mean, are you talking to them with real presence and being a professional? Or are you there kind of just winging it? And the point is, is, you know, treat your arm the same way. So how, whether it's J bands and what we teach and or, or any kind of bands out there, uh, you know, or um, any kind of arm care protocols. The point is, is, is make it a huge focus, right? Um, you know, there's a great saying. I actually got the saying from Barry Zito. I, a lot of people say the saying, but I actually heard it from the first time from Barry, like 2000, you know, like almost 20 years ago. And it really blew me away that he, we were just out there one day, I think just getting ready to throw. And, and I don't know, I, I, maybe he was doing a, taping a video for us for a promo or something. And he, that's probably what it was. He was doing something on J band or something on arm care. And he said something like, you know, warm up to throw, don't throw to warm up. And that 
principle alone can really flip a switch in athletes, um, you know, especially overhand throwing athletes, Soc uh, softball, baseball, water polo, volleyball. Um, so long answer short, back to what the question is, just have an arm care program. We, I think going toward what you're saying with nine-year-olds, um, we do get the question quite a bit, how young do you start? I, I don't know what the right answer is. I can tell you we've had um, kids start at, at seven. Um, I think I even heard a kid starting at six. To me, at that age, it's more habit-forming. I think around seven or eight, now you're starting to get into where it is probably any age. It's good for blood flow and range of motion, of course. But I think the other cool thing about light band work, even with young kids, is, is starting to balance out the rotator cuff muscle group because, of course, you're throwing forward, 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 and so you want to make sure you work backward, backward, backward. And so that's called muscle balance, right? So a lot of the band exercises are to kind of compensate for all the forward movements you do. Um, so again, that's where all the deceleration kind of external rotation stuff comes into play. So even if you don't do a ton of it for the young kids, because they are very supple, they tend to stay loose, they tend to stay, they, they tend to stay in, in good shape for the most, I don't say good shape, but they're just pliable. They're, you know, so, but I would say once you get to like eight, nine, I think that's where it starts to really become a, a, a important to do some, you know, some arm care, you know, maybe a lot of arm care, but at the end of the day, throwing is king. You can, and to me, you just, if someone says to me, what's the best way to develop an arm period, I would say throw. And, and I mean, Maybe not year-round, but almost year-round, because I'm not saying don't take two months off to play soccer, but play catch three times a week, even if it's only out to 60 or 90 feet. Do some bands three to five times a week, even if you're not picking a ball for six weeks. I'm not a big fan of taking off a really long extended time, unless I guess you're younger and you are, again, pliable and supple. But uh, once you hit 12, 13, 14, you know, and you start hitting maturity, uh, look, you can go three months off if you really wanted to which i wouldn't recommend but if you're doing bands four or five times a week and you're going out to 90 feet three four times a week you're probably going to be just fine after three months of being off you can probably do that for four months you know obviously you then want to build up slowly and progressively and do it right and get your arm in shape um so i'm kind of bouncing around here but i guess it, it goes back to the whole arm care idea I'm, i think i'm hitting some other different angles as to really what does arm care mean and uh, yeah, bands, of course, for us are a huge part of it, but um, I try to make sure people understand that there's just no substitute for throwing. You know, people want to talk about, there's a lot of great things out there that help and can be very, very beneficial and impactful, but I just don't want people losing sight of the value of throwing and playing catch. And it doesn't mean you have to long toss out to 350 feet every day and pull down like an animal every day throw i don't care if you play catch out in front with your mom or dad out to 60 feet or 80 feet but maybe you do it for 40 minutes like that's volume stuff that's great for the arm so anyway um hashtag throw to grow is is one of our tweets <laughs> <laughs> i love that hashtag throw to grow i think like <laughs> you you hit a lot of angles as far as arm care goes as far as how you can develop arm strength and continually just using your arm if you if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Everybody's heard that saying, and I think it's it's a real saying, because especially with your arm, I've noticed with other athletes coming back after two, three months off, 
you can tell the ones who come back in spring training who have been throwing and taking care of their arms and the ones who need a month or two to really get their arm and legs under them. So the biggest point that I really want to reiterate from what you said was forming a habit. I don't think it, there's a right or wrong age to really start taking care of your arm. I think you should do it at an early age because, like you said, you create a habit. And developing that habit now, these athletes, is second nature. So when you're 12, 13, 14, your arm's already getting built up. You're used to going through this program. You can help other athletes with this program. And it's taking care of your body. You're used to it. So when you get to high school, it's not new. And a lot of, I think, kids and, and athletes get to high school and it's like this new scheme because they're not used to it. You know, Maybe they haven't practiced it before or been educated on it. But overall, it's a great way to take care of your arms especially using the j bands we use them every single day position players and pitchers so it doesn't just go for pitchers it's like you said any overhand sport softball or water polo any of these sports you're gonna have to take care of your arms so alan where can these guys find you before i ask this last question social media um whether it's your personal website let it rip sure man easy um it's all under pretty much jager sports dot com is is our you know our website that's we got tons of free information tons of articles on there some podcasts um and then social media is also very easy it's jager sports uh, sorry at jager sports both twitter and instagram and that's j-a-e-g-e-r sports and that's the simplest way they can go to our contact page and you know our guys at the office are great answering questions or calling the office um, you know, we're great at like, you know, we're teachers first, so we like supporting and helping out and, and helping the program run as optimally as possible. Um, so those are, those are sort of the main places. And also last thing is, uh, if you just keyword, even like Jager sports or Jager long toss or Jager, uh, mental game on YouTube, um, we've got a bunch of stuff up there also free. So, uh, you know, there's some of the, the main including just because I know we've been hammering the mental game so much. There is like a 45 minute mental talk. And I mean, I just feel like it's 25 years into, into 45 minutes. And, uh, I love it because I was talking to a bunch of kids before spring training. And, and so I feel like cause of their age and, and kind of where they're at in their career, whatever reason, I just, I got a lot more real and I don't, I don't want to say that. I think I'm always real. I just got really blunt because <laughs> you know, as yourself as an ex professional yeah. player, you know, once you're in pro ball, I don't care if it's rookie ball or the big leagues, once you're there, um, you know, it's now like there's no, you know, not that there's gray area when you're in college playing baseball or high school, but it's 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 real. It's like, OK, like I'm if I get released, theoretically, my career could be over today. So um, I think with talking to them, for whatever reason, I was a, a, just a lot more um, not in your face in a bad way, but I just feel like I was really blunt. And I just love this this talk from that point of view. And I, there's a guided, there's a, it's at least 18, 20 minutes, a full guided meditation. You know, you can literally just put the YouTube video on and, and when it gets to the meditation part, you can just sit back and, and just follow the meditation and, and really help form your own practice from it. Yeah, that's just like we've talked about, man. I think it's so huge being able to calm the mind. I highly recommend checking out these videos. It's valuable information. Like you said, it's free and you can't pass up free information anywhere, especially when it's good from a valuable source. You've been in the game for 29 years. You've coached so many amazing athletes such as Barry Zito and Cy Young winners and teams that are amazing. And you've helped college World Series teams go on and, and to do that. And 
I think to be able to get something like that for free on social media, like your Twitter's fire, man. Like you're popping oh. off daily. I'm I'm all in for it. So Thanks. definitely check yeah. them out, guys. I highly recommend it. You're not gonna regret giving them a follow and, and really just tuning into what they have to say. You can learn so much and with the access that we have to social media, there's no reason you shouldn't be following them. So so Alan, you've been in the game, like we said, twenty nine years. You've coached hundreds of teams, thousands of athletes, and you name it. What is one piece of advice you would say to, say, an 18 or 20-year-old kid right now for the rest of their career? Yeah, that's pretty easy. And it's funny. At first, it sounds a bit overwhelming. Like, okay, wow. Um, Because there's so many things you'd want to say. But to be honest with you, uh, it's going to come strictly back to really meditation. It's going to come back to um, the mental game, which is life you know, the process. And um, I guess for them to really understand and get clear about what are the few things that I need to do to be great, or I'm sorry, what are the few things I need to do that are going to lead to me executing my plan of the best that I can that's going to lead to my best potential upside. And you don't, you don't want to get caught up with your, that, with, you know, thinking about the future, but if you know, for instance, that, and I've used this earlier, that if you, for me as a pitcher, breathe, focal point, attack. I know, I didn't say anything about my mechanics. I just said breathe, focal point, attack. I know if I'm on a mound, and I pitched till I was 45, so um, I can't remember how much I used my breath. I'm sure I did, but I know focal points and attacking were a mantra because of the, the pull downs and long toss and, and, and focal points and visualization. And I can't imagine my breath wasn't part of it, but I, you know, that was a while ago when I last pitched, but I always tell people nowadays, I know those would be my three, breathe, focal point, attack. I know three finite things, three constants, not a billion variables, three constants I know are going to lead to my best pitch as far as I'm concerned for the rest of my life unless I learn something new to, to, to tweak it. And as a hitter, breathe, see the ball well, hit it hard. So back to your question. I want people to be able to identify what are those few things, those constants. If it's a four-foot putt, there's probably one, two, or three things that lead to you giving you the best chance possible to execute making the putt, right? Uh, an attorney in court, a doctor in surgery. They, they all, everybody has a few things they know. If I just do A, B, and C, great. Control what I can control. It's going to give me a chance to be great. So that's number one that I would I would sort of the bit of advice. Um, number two, which to me is ultimately number one, is still the the foundation is is some form of meditation. I I just believe you become what you practice. Um, to have a practice, not two times a week, not four times a month, every single day, because you eat, drink, and sleep every single day. Have a practice every day for your mind, for your body, for your soul, for your being, for your emotion, for your health, to where you can learn how to clear your mind, learn to relax, learn to get present, learn to let distractions go, learn how to not get caught up in your thoughts and, and, and get on that hamster wheel and, and, and dance with your thoughts. Learn how to be what, what, what I call neutral, so your thoughts can kind of come and go like birds across the sky but you're not necessarily attached to them anymore. That's a skill. That's that's called discipline, or that's called awareness. Or, uh, that's called perspective. So these are all great terms I'm using that are pers- perspective is a skill. Concentration, discipline is a skill. Earlier we talked about 
Trust is the source of confidence. So everybody wants to be more confident. Well, if you want to be more confident, you have to, in my opinion, learn what it means to trust yourself, if to, to, to learn how to, how to have an application to learn to trust yourself. Think about how powerful that is. Wow. You mean I can actually sit, sit in a chair somewhere and, and quote unquote, just breathe? And that somehow is going to help me be more confident? That's a mind blower. That to me is, there's a lot of truth to that, that you can start to feel more confident as a byproduct of learning to be, I used this word earlier, to be intimate with yourself, to get quiet, to get free of thought, free of all the stuff going on throughout the day, and get into your own world of just silence and peace. And oh, by the way, if you study meditation, the quieter you are, the idea is the more your intuition and the more your insight and the more your instincts can thrive and kick into play. There's there's not stuff in the way, so to speak. So uh, again, a super long answer, but if I had one bit of advice, now I can answer your question in 10 seconds, now that I've said all that. A bit of advice is to help someone identify what their process is, more for the strategy of life or the game. And number two, which again is number one, have a meditation, have a practice. You can call anything you want, by the way. Have a practice every day that it's at least 10 minutes, hopefully builds more into 20 minutes or two 10 or 15 minute sessions a day where you just start to um, drop into this world and, and really start developing these skills that we keep talking about, just like a hitter wants to build skills in BP and a pitcher wants to build skills in long toss and flat ground and bullpens. It's what does a sprinter do every day to get to be a great sprinter? What does a tennis player do every day to be a great tennis player? If you want your mind to get great or whatever you want to call it, get better every day, it wouldn't, doesn't make any sense in any walk of life to not have a practice for your mind. And that is the advice in a nutshell. Man, that's just, it's invaluable to anybody out there who's either looking to teach the skills that you practice or to incorporate those skills into their own personal routine. We've talked about the process a lot, and I'm a firm believer in a process that works for you. Develop some sort of a process which incorporates meditation. Maybe it's when you get to the field, you go roll out, you do your soft tissue stuff, and then you lay there for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, whatever it turns into. Start small, work your way up, and breathe. And what these people are going to notice when they start to incorporate this into their life immediately is things start to be quieter. Like you said, you're intimate with yourself. If you can't be alone with yourself, then you don't trust yourself. You don't have confidence in yourself. So it all reverts back to that trust and that confidence in your process and your development and how good you do, like how good do you really want to be? Do you want to be the best? Do you really want to take it to that next level? Do you really want to go play college ball or professional baseball? Or do you just not care? Are you not invested? And investing in this side of the game is going to absolutely change so many athletes' life. And one more thing, and it came directly from you, at the University of Nevada, I mean, we raked as a team. And all Coach Johnson ever talked about was breathe, find your focal point, which for us was the DeMarini sign on the bat, and then hit the ball hard. There was nothing about results. Results was way out of the window. And what do you know, this last year at U of A, I'm pretty sure they were top five in just about every offensive category and first in the nation in majority. There's no right. secret to the success right there. It, it's it's proven, but so many times we get caught up in all these mechanical adjustments that we blow our minds up. It's it's a spinning rat wheel. But 
these practices that you're talking about are so valuable to the development of athletes and coaches in this world. And Alan, I'm just so thankful that you were able to join the show, man. I know I learned a lot from you. I know the viewers are going to learn a lot from you. And I'm just excited to continue this relationship and, and study under you because like Johnson says, if you want to be the best, you got to learn from the best. And Hey, we had a, we had a front row opportunity here. I had my popcorn out. I was, I was doing the whole nine. So thank you for coming on Alan. I really appreciate it. Hey man, I, I, I so appreciate you having me on and thank you for the kind words. I'm, I'm just happy to be considered someone out there that, that uh, you know, hopefully is, is putting good information out as the bottom line, but I, I appreciate the kind words and, uh, look, I know we've talked, you know, you know, off of, uh, off the podcast, if you will, about, you know, how cool and important I think it, or, you know, I think, I think it's so cool that you just recently removed from pro ball, you have this insight and have this inspiration to delve into this game. And I just, as I said to you earlier before, you know, about how the game is getting richer and richer in this field and people are digging deeper and deeper. And at some point we're going to realize, um, you know, how many more launch angles can we measure before we get to a point where it's like, okay, we're, we're physically sort of tapping out in a way, not that you, you don't want to get better, but, Compare, comparative to the mental game, that's the part that I still just, I, I, don't, I don't mean to shake my head in a, in a condescending way, or it's just more a little frustration that um, the mental game is just ripe for the picking. There, it's almost like it's untapped compared to the physical world, and I think that's where condescending wasn't the right word. It was the word I was trying to think of. I wasn't trying to be a, whatever the word is. Um, but like, to me, like people like you, honestly, it, it, for someone that even though there were, you know, obviously people before me, like, you know, Ken Ravisa and Bob Rotella, there's been people doing this, you know, longer than me, obviously. But, um, but I think now that I've been doing this so long, it, it's cause I see people like me and you, you know, it's like, there was a point I was not far removed from my playing rec- career when I started getting so passionate and, and interested in this field and, and there really wasn't a field I mean you know compared to now <laughs> so for me like it, it's cool like people like you are passionate about this or out there in the world um talking about it doing podcasts so just to know from my point of view like it's total honor to be on and uh, and I love what you're doing and I, I can feel it like you're you're on a mission you know you're gonna you're gonna you are going to uh, impact and touch a lot of people. I can tell. <laughs>